Welcome to Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom! I am Bex Perfect, and joining me as ever is my husband of the podcast world, Mr. Van Connor. How are you? <laughs> I'm all good. I'm your work hubby. I think is, the, work, is that hubby. the term work hubby? I know it's I know I know it's work wife. If you if you're a dude referring to a lady, what I don't know what the inverse is. Is it work hubby? I think, it might be. Like we'll that. use that for now. We'll do some research and come up with a much more. Um, fitting name for you but um yeah i thought well we do do a lot of work on the radio together we're going to be doing the oscars um we are in a couple of months which is exciting with the lovely paul ross on talk sport and talk radio so that's going to be fantastic but for now because of the situation we are podcast husband and wife (laughs) (laughs) and we just argue like husband and wife anyway so it's fine (laughs) we genuinely do as well so i mean at the very least at least we've still got entertainment in our homes to talk about as well so we've got two this week uh to talk about that are going to be um they're going to be on i think it's on digital oh no it's on amazon prime for our first one which is i care a lot and burn it all which is available on digital and these are both from today which is friday Yes, they are. So why don't you talk us through I Care A Lot because I am so excited to talk about this movie. You have been chomping at the bit. I can tell. I can just see the excitement in your eyes. So uh, I Care A Lot is the new movie from, of all people, Jay Blakeson. Now, Jay Blakeson, you you may not know uh, Jay Blakeson's name offhand. I know nothing of Jay Blakeson as a person. Couldn't even tell you if Jay Blakeson is a man or a woman. Can only tell you that Jay Blakeson directed, uh, wrote and directed The Disappearance of Alice Creed with Gemma Arterton, which we've featured in our freeview picks before. Uh, So this is Jay Blakeson's latest film, and uh, it stars uh, Rosamund Pike as a very corrupt, uh, very uh, financially driven, willing to do whatever it takes to, to you know to score a mark um woman who runs a sort of guardianship program for uh, elderly uh, elderly citizens who've been legally mandated as incapable of, of looking after themselves if they've got no family members that can do it they get put into the guardianship program and assigned an, an actual paid guardian people who run companies and basically there was a corrupt practice this was all a deep dive that john oliver did a few years ago as well so you can you can look this all up on youtube this is like the extreme fictional worst case scenario of it in which these are corrupt people who just fleece these old people wildly, as you hear when they get presented with cases like this. Jennifer Peterson. She's in reasonably good health, but recently she has shown some signs of memory loss and confusion. Significant. No, but we can tickle that to make an emergency hearing go our way. She has no kids, no husband, no living family. No family at all. She has very good insurance. She told me she used to work in finance in Chicago and moved here to retire. Can I get a copy of all this? You bet. I'll accept her test results. That wouldn't be ethical. Of course. Now you have, um, you've, you've, you've talked, you've sent me this John Oliver uh, clip, which I, I do need to watch. Um, I have to say, I loved this film because I had no idea about the whole guardianship and people taking advantage of that. And basically, like, I think Rosamund Pike goes a little bit kind of gone girl mad in this. She's she's really badass in this. She um, She's in great company because alongside her, we have Peter Dinklage as well, who plays a character mm. called Roman Lunyov. Uh, we have Diane Weiss as well, who I will always love. From Weiss? The Weiss? I hear so much. It's one of those names, isn't it? You just hear so much. It's, it's, it's Lee F. Schreiber again. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's I that like again. Weiss, Weiss, um, who I love from The Lost Boys, amongst many, many other things. Oh, yeah. um, but also um, Aza Gonzalez as well, who plays um, 
Rosamund Pike's character's lover called Fran in this. So great, great kind of core cast to this. It's like, it's almost like a heist movie, weirdly, like, but with a granny. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? It has that sort of con artist kind yeah. of a, a, a rompy thriller, but with comedic elements. It's quite funny at times, but in a, a very blackly cynical way. It's funny in, if you took the sort of sensibility of something like The Big Shore and you made it slightly broader, you made it like, 15, 20% broader than The Big Short, you'd come close to where this lies. Uh, the Sandra Bullock movie, uh, oh, the Sandra Bullock political spin movie from a few years ago that had quite oh. an amusing title, uh, the Spin Doctor one with Billy Bob Thornton. I remember that that has quite that had quite a similar tone to this. Yeah. I really dug this. I it's really did. slick. It's cool. She's great. Like you say, she's bonkers mad. God. Yeah, she absolutely is. And, and you know what? I know we haven't reviewed this yet, but I... To give you a little bit of a, a, a kind of insight, I was slightly underwhelmed and I'm not sure about all the Oscar and award hype for Promising Young Woman. This had more of the oomph and the gusto about it as a movie and also as a performance of what I kind of wanted from that. So for me, this is a stronger movie and I'm kind of going, why is this not getting... Like it's more topical, it's, more, it's not as bonkers and out there because actually this stuff happens. And, you know, Rosamund Pike, you know, she can turn her hand to anything. She's fantastic as an actress. And you believe every moment of her being that con artist through to being someone who is so competitive that even in the worst case scenarios, she does not want to lose. And then her straight faced kind of, I'm going to take you for everything you've got is kind of what I love about this. Oh, my goodness. It's such a great film. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I will say, I mean, first of all, I will say, if you're going to keep teasing your opinion on uh, uh, Promising Young Woman, then when we do eventually get to deliver, when we do eventually get to review that, you are going to have to deliver. You have to really deliver on that opinion. It's going to have to be really well-grounded and really, really supported. In the meanwhile, um, I will say, uh, that seems to have become your tenet. You know, like, I have tenet. Yeah. I do that. I'm like, that's that, that delivered what tenet promised. Yeah. I feel like that's it for you. Um, I will say, though, on, uh, 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 sorry, on I Care A Lot, which I think is great, and I think everyone should watch on Amazon Prime, um, I will say there's only one other actress I, th- I can think of working today who could have pulled off this performance as well, and that's probably Jessica Chastain. And I don't think she quite come as close to it as Rosamund Pike. No, I was going to say, yeah, I can't, I can, I get where your point is, but I can't quite see it as much. Anyway, let's, let's, um, you guys know we're we're big fans of this. And so for that reason, you should definitely go and watch it because it is out as of today. Um, If you need a good fun movie, this is the one for you. And it might get you thinking about this whole kind of guardianship that goes on, particularly in the States. I don't know if it happens here in the UK, but it obviously happens over in the States. Um, How many thumbs are you going to give this? Oh, two, two resounding thumbs from me. I thought yeah, it was great. same here, same here. So there we go. Good recommendation to start our, our podcast. Um, I care a lot on Amazon Prime. Let's move over to um, Burn It All, which is available on digital as well as of today. Uh, I, I, I haven't caught this, but you have. Tell me more. This is a really stripped down, low budget. I can only describe it as a feminist vigilante survival action thriller from, and this is how he specifically credited uh, writer, cinematographer, director Brady Hall, who's a really sort of low key indie filmmaker. You know, that makes a lot of shorts, that kind of film. Made it, a, a, you know, an interesting sort of uh, satirical kind of teen bro ish comedy called, uh, which, whose name I don't want to repeat on, uh, on radio, um, about 
eight or nine years ago. Uh, it, this this is about a down on her luck vet who uh, returns to her estranged home when her mother passes away uh, late in the night. She has to go and sort of claim the body kind of thing. Um, accidentally stumbles into an organ harvesting operation in which her mother's corpse has been nicked effectively and embroiled, and she basically has to finds herself having to to fight through the night to both survive and then really recover the body. So what is it that you think that you've stumbled onto here? Stupid girl! What are you doing? You process organs and tissue here. This is my mother. You want to find a phone and call the cops? Yeah, they have my mom back there. Calling the cops? That won't work how you think. You're in on it. We have a good thing going. If there's any exposure, they'll leave and they'll take all of their money and everyone here loses. Including you. I think there's like, I have a test for female vigilante movies and mm. I call it the eye roll test. Like, how much am I going to eye roll through this movie? Because sometimes it just doesn't work, right? So from from zero eye roll to full eye roll, someone as cynical as me, what am I going to think about this? Right, I will answer your question as part of a longer opinion on the film, which okay. is a, a, broad, a longer, broader opinion on the film, which is when this works, it really, really works. When it doesn't, it's absolutely curdling. It's it's that kind where you you shrivel into yourself. It's like, eee, that is just creaky. Oof. And this includes dialogue. There is dialogue that's quite like Shane Black level witty. Oh. And then there's dialogue that is so cornball, it might as well come on the back of a cereal box. And then you've got a lead performance uh, in, in there that, that's effectively the same that runs that gamut from quite well quite well delivered in the character department to really struggling with the plot stuff to actually doing pretty well with the physicality of the survival stuff but through it all though is this obvious feel that there's brady hall's you know very passionate involvement this has been made on a very stripped down level this has you know ambition way above its budget and to be fair it's been so tightly put together and expertly crafted and, and admirably done on the cheap that it succeeds, it really does. But the one thing it can't overcome is the answer to your question, and that is, unfortunately, the really important feminist parts just feel crowbarred in. Yeah. And it's a shame, because if they were done more naturally, you'd have an absolute blinder on your hands. As it is, you've got the calling card for for another potential Jeremy Solnia, mm -hmm. you know, who made uh, Green Room, uh, uh, Blue Ruin and Green Room and, and things yeah. like that. You've got the potential for something like that, but it just feels a little bit forced, you know? Oh, that's such a shame. Anyway, look, it still seems like the positives outweigh the negatives on this, though. They do. They do, absolutely. Okay, fantastic. So there we go. So that is Burn It All. Uh, that's available on digital as of today, but our big recommendation of the brand new releases has got to be I Care A Lot, from um, which stars the brilliant Rosamund Pike on uh, Amazon Prime, also available as of today. Now, when we come back, we're going to be talking you through all of your top TV uh, movies on TV. TV, and we're going to kick off with an old school one that I think you guys will want to stay tuned for. Welcome back to Off Screen, and we're launching into your roundup, well, our roundup for you of the best movies that, well, best movies we think you can find on Freeview for each day of the, of the next coming seven days on Freeview. So it's the great equalizer. We all have Freeview. What can we all 
agree? What can we all watch? What can we all enjoy together on equal ground? And I found for me one of the greatest actioners of the 1990s for our first day of the week. We're going to start with Saturday. We're going to start with tomorrow. And it's it's, it's a classic. It's Sylvester Stallone. It's Wesley Snipes. It's the movie that introduced Sandra Bullock properly properly, to the world. It's 1993's Demolition Man. I believe the one and only movie Marco Brambia ever directed. And are you familiar with Demolition Man, Bex? Do you know it? Do you love it? Am I part of the 90s? Of course. Uh, (laughs) Have I my father's daughter yes of course <laughs> it is it is a movie i really liked your off-air description of this you said it's like a hot water bottle that you like to like hug. it is it's i love it that much it's one of my all-time favorite movies that i just i just want to i can just put on and i can just curl up and have a nap with not because i'm bored but because i feel so at peace when it's on it's just a it's a timeless classic for me it is the perfect balance of action science fiction just in of comedy that it's memorable it's got enough zen in there it's the best movie rob schneider ever starred in um you know it's got it's got that wacky outfit and weird ass haircut that I was just say, I really like the <laughs> exactly and it's got the coolest cars i want one of those police cars those were yeah. actual concept cars that gm drove around anyway i'm getting beside myself for time reasons so it is uh it starts off in 1996. You have, you know, super cop junk John Spartan, who's the quintessential action movie cop, bends the rules to get the job done, doesn't care about collateral damage, and he's on the trail of terrorist extraordinaire Simon Phoenix, played by Wesley Snipes, who he finally captures, and not, but not before Simon Phoenix has in turn framed him for a bunch of murders that see the pair of them locked up alongside one another in an experimental cryo prison, so they're basically turned into pops only for Phoenix to then get thawed out in 2032 in a new utopian version of uh, LA and California which is now called San Angeles because all of the cities have merged into like a, a super utopia and he uses the opportunity during this parole interview to escape and because society is now peace loving and tranquil they're not prepared for savagery of this kind so the only thing they can think of is to thaw out John Spartan Sylvester Stallone himself and to let him loose on the new version of Los Angeles, which you might think presents all sorts of cultural challenges, but none more integral than this. I don't know if you guys know it, but you're uh, you're out of toilet paper. Did, did you say toilet paper? Oh, they used handfuls of wadded paper back in the 20s. <laughs> I'm happy that you're happy, but the place where you're supposed to have the toilet paper, you got this little shelf with three seashells on it. (laughs) He doesn't know how to use the three seashells. (laughs) I can see how that could be confusing. I love this movie. I think it's great fun. I I love that it's just a one-and-done actioner that they've never gone back to. They've never attempted to make a TV show spin-off out of. It's never been sequelized, prequelized, nothing. Leave it be. I love this movie. It is a perfect relic of its time. And it still kind of holds up. And also, it's one of those movies that kind of weirdly turned out to be a bit prescient on certain future predictions that it made. You just answered my question there. I was going to ask if it holds up, but that's good. <laughs> that is good to know. Um, let's move on um, because uh, Demolition Man, for all of you guys that were listening, that is on ITV4, 9 p.m. on Saturday. But Sunday, 
on Channel 4 at uh, 6.05pm. Are we right? That's Channel 4? Yes. I, I believe that's Channel 4 at 6.05 yeah. on Sunday, which I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite cool about. I, mean, I like that this is getting a, a proper, you know, family primetime airing. Yes, because this, this, is, this is one of my favourite animations of the last few years. This is Isle of Dogs. Um, this is a Wes Anderson movie, which um, it's. Uh, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I cut you off and just say every time someone says the title, I giggle because it sounds like they say I love dogs. It's so weird. This is what this lockdown does to man. Well, for all of you guys who didn't catch the giggle on that, uh, let, let me tell you through, take you through what it's all about. So, um, it, it, it's an animation which is based around um, a place called Megasaki City, uh, where uh, there has been an executive decree that all of the canine pets, so all of the dogs, are exiled to a big garbage dump called Trash Island. Mm. And then there is a character, a twelve-year-old boy uh, called Atari, who sets off in his own little little plane. Um, and flies across the river in search of his bodyguard dog called Spots. And then there, what he finds is this group of newly found doggy friends, and they try and create this epic journey to get back and uh, and return to, to Megasaki City. And uh, it's just delightful. Wait a second. Before we attack each other and tear ourselves to shreds like a pack of maniacs, let's just open the sack first and see what's actually in it. It might not even be worth the trouble. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe. Uh, Hi. A rancid apple core, two worm-eaten banana peels, a moldy rice cake, a dried-up pickle, tin of sardine, bones, a pile of broken eggshells, an old smushed-up rotten gizzard with maggots all over it. Okay, think- it's worth it. <laughs> Now, we uh, kind of buried the lead in just calling that an animated film, I think, because we should point out it's not just animated, it's stop-motion animated, this one, as well. And uh, rather in the vein of uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and, and uh, which I think was only... I think that was seven years prior to this. And um, in the meanwhile, what you get with this, I think, is you get that all-star voice cast in there. You get, like, uh, I think it's Edward Norton's in there. I think Brian yeah. Cranston turns up... Uh, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Murray's in there, of course he is, because it's a Wes Anderson movie. Uh, I seem to remember Scarlett Johansson was in this one in some capacity as well. Yeah, Greta Gerwig as well. Greta Gerwig, yes. It it is, but it is one of those films that I think has the broadest appeal of the wacky sensibilities of Wes Anderson, in the same way that, for instance, The Grand Budapest Hotel did. It's one of those films that seems seems capable of breaking through that barrier to a a wider audience. Yeah. a more general crowd if you don't think you find his films a bit too weird you might get on with this one I think yeah absolutely because actually for me I wasn't a Wes Anderson film uh, mm. film fan until the Grand Budapest Hotel um, yeah. so it, it, that had opened doors for me and then yeah you're absolutely right that this opens it up to a wider cast it is really accessible for you to watch the stop motion is incredible. I spent hours watching on YouTube afterwards, like them behind yeah. the scenes making. Like there's a big dog fight in a big um, in a big cloud of uh, like you know. Like, uh, yeah, I think that was our uh, I think that was our clip actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So with that happening, like the way that they do it with the cotton wool and everything, it's just amazing. And there was even an exhibition. I think of the Isle of Dogs exhibition. Um, there was, that, I believe, yeah. Yeah, here in London, because it was just it's such a, an amazing intricacy about it and actually a a friend of mine did the uh she did some of the set design on this which is incredible so i was really like i'm so chuffed to see it um but look overall if you want a good 
like animation. I prefer this to Fantastic Mr. Fox. You know, there's everything about this that I love that goes for it. It's got a lot of heart. Absolutely do. I, I, I agree with you. I think Fantastic Mr. Fox was, I think that's because it was it had to be tied to its, its source material. I think it felt like it couldn't be its own thing entirely. Yeah, yeah. So this for me is much stronger. So it's available for you guys on uh, Sunday, uh, Channel 4, 6.05pm um, and well worth your time for all the family. Moving on to Monday, just to kickstart your week, we're going to kickstart in a pretty fast way with Rush Hour 2 on ITV4 at 10.30pm. Now you just said to me, just off air, you, I was like, right, remind me again which one this is. And you were like, <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the China one, right? Yeah, well this is the thing, because you do demonstrate, um, uh, I think, a very valid uh uh, compliment that I don't think the Rush Hour franchise gets paid anywhere near often enough, which is the Rush Hour films are very consistent. Like, mm-hmm. they really are. Like, th- that formula doesn't change, the writing quality doesn't change, it stays the same all the way through. And that's it's kind of a compliment to it then that you kind of, it's kind of a backwards compliment that you then can't tell the films apart. Because they do feel like one coherent, ongoing series. Brett Ratner, you know, directs all three, written by the same guys, still Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker, the same returning players come back, the same continuity, nothing changes. Rush Hour yeah. 2, though, is, as I said to you, it's the one where they go to Hong Kong. Yeah. It's the one where, it's the one where they go to Hong Kong and it's Chris Tucker does Michael Jackson. Yeah, it's the <laughs> yeah. one with the karaoke where he sings Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. It's that one. It's the middle one where they then go to Vegas. It's yeah. that one. Yeah, gotcha. And do you know what? It's a whole lot of fun, right? It is. It does what it says on the tin. It's a load of laughs. It's available for you guys to watch on ITV4 at 10.30pm. It's a strong start to the week across the across the board because you've got something for everyone there. So um, that is our first block of movies on TV for you. Coming up next... Oh, we're going to kickstart with one of my one of the seminal films that I've of my sort of growing up period, should we say? And then one of the movies that I absolutely love and still do to this day. Um, so stick with us; we'll be back. Looking to stay in the loop with the latest movie news? Then say hello to the Daily Reel, your bite-sized hit of the biggest happenings, hirings, firings, release dates, scandals, and everything else going on behind the silver screen. Delivered to your ears every weekday morning in less time than you'll spend in the shower. Subscribe to the Daily Reel on all major podcast platforms or ask Alexa to install the Daily Reel skill for your morning flash briefing. Make your morning cinematic with the Daily Reel. Welcome back to Off Screen, and welcome back to the remainder of your week in Freeview Filmic Fun. And, uh, well, what day are we on? Tuesday. Now, I lose track of the day of the week. I think we all do in lockdown. Do, do you have that, Bex, where you just can't keep what, track what of, day of the week? What oh, day what, it's not what day of the week is today. <laughs> today is Friday. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I just mean all the time. Whenever I'm trying, I can't keep track of, like, days of the week anymore. But the day we're going to be talking about is Tuesday. So yeah. on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, the 23rd of February, 2021, A.D., on film four at 10 30 p.m you can catch oh 10 50 p.m sorry you can catch train spotting oh which oh who doesn't love train spotting it's a classic right and, like literally i think i can cl- i can class this as one of the movies that made me absolutely love movies like this had everything and i 
I just watched it again and again and again. And I've been lucky enough to be to have worked with Danny Boyle in the future. And it was like such a bucket list thing for me. Like I was directed by Danny Boyle. He had a conversation with me and told me what to do. And I was like, you made train spotting. This is insane. It um, is tra- train spotting is, is the, just one of the zeitgeist movies of yeah. our, of, you know, of, of British cinema for the last half century. Yeah. Like easily. It's one of the one of the watershed moments of British cinema. It's a, because it happened right at the height of Cool Britannia yeah. as well in, at that point oh. in the 90s. And, uh, you know, great movie based on the novel by Irvin Welsh, uh, you know, made stars of pretty much of most of its cast. Uh, yeah. You know, Ewan McGregor became Obi-Wan Kenobi because of, directly because of this movie. You know, yeah. Robert Carlyle became a Bond villain yeah. directly because of this movie and then went on to become, like, you know, a Stargate scientist and Rumpel Stiltskin as well, but still. Um, also, also, he got to star in Ravenous, which is like one of my favorite, my guilty pleasure, you know, in in, in as much as I believe in those kind of things, uh, guilty pleasure, good time movies. Uh, who else did you have in there? You had you, well, you uh, Johnny Lee that. Miller. Johnny Lee Miller, yeah, absolutely. Went on to marry Angelina Jolie and then have quite a successful career as a Sherlock Holmes uh, character as well. Um, but I actually, I don't know if you know this little bit of trivia, but Ewan Bremner, who plays Spud, actually mm. played Renton in the theatre version of Train. I did not know that. That is interesting. Yeah. yeah, so then then he stepped aside to play Spud and I couldn't I couldn't imagine it any other way. But but um I've seen this in the theatre as well and God, it is. I've seen it twice in the theatre. I saw an immersive version in London's Waterloo Vaults uh, only a couple of years ago. And the only thing I'd say about that is oh, nice. when you're sat there, do not sit next to the toilet in it. <laughs> that would be a <laughs> I give to you from personal experience. But for anyone who doesn't know, gosh, where have you been? Train spotting follows the story of Renton, Mark Renton, played by Ewan McGregor, who was completely immersed in the Edinburgh drug scene of the 1990s. He basically tries to clean up his act, um, but he gets pulled back and forth by all of his friends and the influence that is around them. So it's hard hitting, it's fun, it's hedonistic. It's got everything going for it that you'd want from the 90s. And it's completely tied up with a bow, thanks to Danny Boyle. Good luck, Spud. Cheers, Catboy. Now, remember, if they think you're no trying, you're in trouble, right? First hint of that, and they'll be onto the DHSS. This is no trying, and your gyro's finished, right? right? But then again, try too hard. You might get the job. <laughs> exactly. Nightmare. It's a tightrope, Spud. It's a tightrope. See, I just get pure shy with the interviewer cats. Like, I get all nervous and I can't answer any of the questions. Like, I'm a footballer and I get nerves it's on a big occasion, man. Try some of this, Spud. Yeah, a little dab of speed is just a ticket, man. Ewan McGregor and Ewan Bremner there, the two Ewans. And, you know, you forget about how slick and cool and elegant and flashy Trainspotting can be, in spite of how grimy and filthy and greasy it, it, it can be textually. Trainspotting's a movie that you watch and you, you actually feel like you need to wipe afterwards. Yeah. It's such, it's such a, a great movie for permeating yeah. its, its atmosphere. It gets, gets you in there so hard. The only movie that I think is kind of it moves along those lines. It's another. Um, it, 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 it's another book, um, um, uh, Irvin Welsh novel, but it's Filth with James McAvoy. It has that? Kind yeah, of I really, I love Filth. I'm, so, I'm yeah. a big fan of the, of the film adaptation. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. But but nothing beats Train Spotting. So that is, that is there for your view, absolute viewing pleasure on Film Four, 10:50 p.m. on Tuesday. Uh, moving swiftly on to uh, to Wednesday, I actually really love these movies. Um, this is the second best exotic marigold hotel on film four at 6.40pm. 
I mean, are you a fan of these movies? Did you enjoy the first one? I am. I mean, to be honest, they are very much what you know. Get what you you know, get what it says on the tin. It, there's there's nothing more to it. That's exactly as charming as you'd imagine a sort of sunset era golden years comedy star in the likes of like Judy Dench and Celia Imry and stars like that. Uh, you know, retiring effectively to is it is it sort of is it an old like British Empire era Indian hotel? That's what it yeah, is. it is. Yeah, and it's sort of it opens it up to essentially expats who are going to retire mm. in the hotel. So we kind of um, we follow that. They meet Sonny Kapoor, who's played by Dev Patel in this as well. And um, yeah, you know, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just a that's really- it, isn't it? Because you kind of feel with Dev Patel there, you're just like this is exactly as charming as we know it's gonna be with all of you guys. Like I I, I know that I'm not in any way gonna be let down, but I know I'm not gonna be rocking and rolling at the same time. I'm just gonna be having a pleasant afternoon, as it were. But let's like you know, let's not underestimate that actually, mm. you know, at the time in which we went to the cinemas and we could do all of that, the <laughs> The, the, the before the, era the, the before era the before time um the gray pound should we say so so mm. the, the older generation that would go and want to in, sit in the cinema and enjoy and feel like something is being directly talked to to them you know they're they're a high-paying cinema going client you know these movies oh i I, well I, I absolutely know yeah mm, yeah, yeah i completely and, agree yeah but, and, and and you know what? They do it in a way where you're not going to get hordes of people coming in to watch this type of movie. Therefore, they can do it in... It feels like they're going a bit back in time when they do go to watch this movie. But look, I just wanted to throw it in there as, as, as something to watch because I do think having the variety that if you know, if you are sharing a house and you've got an older relative there, it's perfect, you know, for a Wednesday afternoon, evening, just to watch this. And I think everyone of all ages can really enjoy this. Nice, gentle film. 100%. So, uh, moving on really quickly then to Thursday. We'll have to get through these uh, these next two quite quick. Uh, so, BBC4 on Thursday night, 9pm. And uh, you picked this one. I'm, I'm intrigued to, to hear your thoughts on this. Educating Rita, Miss oh, Perfect. Oh, God. What a classic, Educating Educating Rita. It's such a great, great <laughs> movie. Um, Julie Walters and also the brilliant Michael Caine here. It's like a an un-sort-of-obvious uh, un love story between the two of them. But it's just, it's a Willie Russell, uh, you know, play that then got turned into this movie. I believe it was, yeah, it was nominated for three Oscars. Um, so Michael Caine mm. and also Julie Waters got nominated for this, as did the screenplay by Willie Russell as well. It's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, it's kind of like a Pygmalion-style movie in a way. It's, it, it's, it's it is a bit, lady. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, I just think if you can find a good classic film, I mean, this was out in 1983. It's if you haven't seen it before, it's worth your time. It's on BBC Four at nine o'clock, um, and it just—it's a nice transition from stage to screen, and actually. That kind of caps off our week um, in movies as well, because talking of stage to screen, our Friday movie, mm. which both Van and I absolutely love, which is on Five Star at 9pm, is another, well, Aaron Sorkin taken uh, stage to screen movie, A Few Good Men. Oh, Van, how good is this movie? You know, you and I have this shared love of uh, Mr. Sorkin's work, yeah. as we know. I think you recently watched The Newsroom and Studio 60, as did yeah. I. I. I haven't got the time to sink into an investment and revisiting uh, the West Wing at the moment, but I look forward to doing it someday. I, it's, it, 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 it always makes me feel warm and fluffy inside the West Wing. But um, I, I, I love A Few Good Men. It's, for me, one of the all-time great you 
know, courtroom thrillers or military procedurals or however you want to take it. Uh, Tom Cruise versus uh, Jack Nicholson, effectively. Uh, the ultimate military jag courtroom battle. Uh, Cruise is Daniel Caffey, who's, uh, you know, a prodigal son, sort of washed up prodigal son, as it were, of, you know, this great trial lawyer who is tasked with uh, his first major courtroom case when he's asked to represent two Marines accused of murdering one of their fellow officers and they maintain it, they were doing it under orders to as disciplinary actions, effectively by Jack Nicholson, who denies it. And this, of course, leads to one of cinema's great witness scenes, of which we'll, we can offer only a sliver. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. Yeah, amazing performance there from from Jack Nicholson, who is just absolutely incredible in this movie. He just absolutely lets off the chain, goes full unhinged in a way that I don't think we'd seen at that period since The The Shining, maybe? Yeah, and do you know what? I'm just going to have a look up, like, what um, awards this picked up, because I I think Jack Nicholson got nominated for an Oscar for this. But what I would say is that I was always surprised at how little Jack Nicholson is actually in the movie. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 but that powerful, you know, you just need that big, powerful performance in that big scene. That That's it. You're like, there we go. That's it. That's the point. It doesn't need to well, be... Well, that's like, it, isn't it? Yeah. Doesn't you, you, need to be what what you say, it's not about that, that quantity of scene. It's it's Iron Man in Civil War. If you, if you remember Captain America Civil War, you remember it as being the one where the villain is effectively Iron Man, despite the fact that when you actually break it down, Iron Man is only in four scenes in that movie. Yeah. Yet it's they're spaced about and they're written in such a way that it feels like the presence is felt throughout. And yeah. Jack Nicholson has, you know, that, that very same thing all the way back in this, where it's only, I think, three or four scenes that he's in. Like, that that, that end famous monologue is just that one big scene. He kind of just walks into that scene, and then that's the end of the movie. And it yeah. goes on yeah. for, like, 20 minutes or so, like 15, 20 minutes, maybe. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it just... And do you know what? And I think this, but also educating Rita, like, what they both do really well is sometimes mm. when you watch a movie and you kind of go this would be better on stage and I always bring it back to Fences with Denzel Washington like I yes. always think like, I'd rather have watched that on the stage it doesn't feel like it's cinematic enough both these two movies take it through to a cinematic um, a cinematic sort of route and for that reason it kind of it works so well on the big screen so it was nominated for a Best Picture Oscar you know as well as the, uh, the supporting role as well for Jack Nicholson Best Sound Best Film Editing well worth all of that but um yeah no wins unfortunately but still worth a watch definitely well we need to we need to get rounding up so that we can hit the dvd aisle but i will say on uh on uh, uh educating rita i hadn't realized because i've obviously never seen the stage play i've never read the stage play uh, i hadn't realized that it is largely set purely within the one room yeah it's entirely set within within the office i, I hadn't actually realized that because i'm conditioned to know it through the movie so i'm used to there being an outside world component to it. 
And that actually rounds off off screen for this week. We thought we'd just take you on a little bit of a short, sharp, but to the point ride of movies this week. So there is top telly for you. There are some great two new digital releases. Our big recommendation for the week is obviously Rosamund Pike with I Care A Lot. Uh, we'll be back next week with a more extended programme as we normally have. We hope you've enjoyed it for this week. And for the moment, I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Carter and we shall return. 